Hello, and welcome to our Top of Mind podcast. In this program, we will sit down with a higher education thought leader to discuss how faculty and students are being supported through COVID-19. I'm your host, Caitlin O'Connor from the Tambolini Group. I'm joined today by Alina Chernobylski, who serves as the Associate Vice President for Academic Affairs. Her portfolio includes faculty development, graduate studies, and online studies. Over the next few minutes, we are going to hear about how Caldwell University, a small Catholic liberal arts institution in the Northeast, has been reacting to the COVID-19 crisis. Let's get started. Welcome to the program, Alina. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be with you. As we start, I'd love for you to tell us more about yourself and Caldwell. Sure. Um, I came to Caldwell in 2008, and uh, at that time, it was a um, sleepy little college that nobody knew about. Um, in the last, give or take a decade, Caldwell has transformed itself to be a vibrant, um, vibrant institution with um, lots of interesting offering to, offerings to students. We have grown to offer lots of academic, athletic, um, and other programs where students can thrive. The, uh, the university had started um, 75 years ago as um, a Caldwell College for Women. Mm. Uh, the mission of the university was to serve underprivileged women who could then join the workforce as teachers. Since then, Caldwell has transformed itself in many different ways. It became a co-ed institution. It started offering lots of different majors. It um, gradually started offering graduate programs, including doctorate programs in applied behavior analysis and educational leadership. And now Caldwell is um, dealing with an interesting situation that all the universities are dealing with and trying to reposition itself to remain um, relevant and to maintain its mission um, without interruption to students, to faculty, and to staff. So tell us more about how COVID-19 has impacted your campus. It's interesting that although campus physical structure is closed for business, we um, remain live and try to remain vibrant, but now we are in virtual mode and that is the biggest and most impactful change for everybody. So um, we're all learning to live our lives in this new virtual space. Um, although we did have, uh, we do have um, a pretty vibrant online offerings um, for the students, we now are faced with uh, everything being online, not just um, some courses or some programs, everything is online, student support, um, you know, decision-making on, uh, on cabinet level, um, faculty support, anything you can think of is now virtual. And that is a huge 
change for everybody. It's a tremendous learning curve for everybody. And so that I would say would be the biggest impact on our campus. So one of the things I've seen talked about a lot on Twitter is how institutions should handle grades. So what decisions have you made on your campus about handling grades and handling exams? Right. Um, this uh, was a point of conversation probably three weeks ago when we were um, just beginning to understand the new reality. One of the very first decisions that um, have been made on the academic affairs side is to pull together um, the faculty council and academic leadership and discuss how all of this will impact grades and, uh, um, and you know, end of the semester policies. Mm -hmm. A couple of things have been decided and I, I want to make sure that I, I underscore this. Sometimes people say that in the time of crisis, shared governance does not work because things are slow. But that was not true in case of Coldwell. Um, faculty and, um, and leadership got together and uh, um, it was a lot of intense conversations in virtual meetings and emails and, um, and, and the decisions have been made. And uh, um, I, I'm very happy with what decisions we have made. So a couple of things. First of all, we allowed students to um, have pass-fail pass optional, which means they, uh, the students could see how they're doing and request, instead of having a letter grade, request a pass-or-fail grade. And mm -hmm. with pass-fail, we had um, considered the fact that for graduate students, for example, a lot of the times employers would reimburse students. Uh, and they need to be assured that pass is really a pass, right? That the student is competent in the, uh, in the, in the skills and knowledge that they have gained. For some students, applying to graduate school is important. And so um, graduate schools need to be assured that pass is really a pass. So mm -hmm. the decision has been made to actually offer three, uh, three grades. It's a pass, it's a low pass, and then it's a fail. Um, and uh, we have looked at other institutions in making this decision and then um, discussed this on campus extensively before the decision was made. So that's one. And then another decision was made is to relax an incomplete policy because as students are making decisions about whether or not they want a grade or a pass fail, they, they're also faced with uh, tremendous challenges. You know, many of our students are first responders. Um, oh, wow. So they, they may not be in the position to even attend to, you know, to, to studies right now. Many of our students were located in New Jersey. So many of our students are affected uh, by either being sick or their families being ill. Mm -hmm. uh, many of our students have food insecurities. Many of our students um, have to study in crowded homes. So we have made a decision to relax an incomplete policy. Generally, our policy says that students has to complete about 80% of work to even begin discussion of incomplete, but that policy has been relaxed for the time being, and it's now about 60% and at the discretion of an instructor whether or not 
and uh, incomplete should be considered. So I know that our faculty are reaching out to students and um, have those conversations with, with students about those policies, especially students who are in internships right now or are supposed to be in internships right now because uh, not all sites, internship sites, were able to go virtual. So some students need that flexibility in order mm -hmm. to complete, complete the uh, required work. So I'm sure there are just so many decisions that have to be made, not just for this point in time, but as we think about the summer and the fall terms. Right. So we are uh, already thinking about that. And um, since we don't know when the state will relax the rules about quarantine and um, self-isolation, we are really thinking about plan A, <laughs> um, opening up the campus and um, having maybe a new normal, but uh, in physical location. Mm -hmm. Plan B, which probably means some sort of hybrid conversations with some faculty may be available um, in class, some will be online, uh, maybe there will be um, session A online and session B in person. I don't quite know how this will look like. And then plan C, where we continue in 100% virtual mode. Um, these conversations are just beginning. Uh, our primary concern is finishing up the semester strong, but the moment we're done, summer session kicks in. Mm -hmm. So the decision about first summer session uh, it has been made already. It's going to be virtual. As for the second half of the summer, this is to be determined right now. So are you thinking about hiring instructional designers for these summer terms or maybe continuing into the fall if you do have to be fully online? Because you know, to your point, this is a totally new normal and this online first mentality is very new. Absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, I just talked to our HR. We're thinking of hiring two uh, part-time instructional designers for the summer at least, and then the decision will be made as to um, whether that offer needs to be extended. Uh, the, the, the idea behind all of this is that um, the support of the faculty. Mm -hmm. uh, for many of our faculty, online world is a completely new world. They've heard about it. They read a lot of chronicle publications about teaching online. They may even attended a conference or two. We certainly offer a lot of professional development sessions. But all of this was very abstract. You know, a few months ago, they were of a mindset that I prefer being in classroom with my students and um, seeing my students as a group. I prefer, um, you know, I, I, I prefer to actually interact with my students during office hours in my, um, in my office and, you know, being comfortable. Um, and now it's gone. And so faculty need a lot of um, hand-holding right now um, where not only just being online, but the entire pedagogical paradigm is being shifted. Teaching and learning online is very different from teaching and learning in face-to-face -face environment. Um, there's different set of rules that is in play. And so 
faculty need to be supported and they need to know that we're there for them. That's why the decision to hire two part-time instructional designers um, uh, has been made. We do have um, three people in the Office of Online Education. Two of them are instructional technologists, so they can um, help with, you know, putting the courses online. They can help with advice on, you know, how to be ADA compliant. They can offer ideas about how to implement things. But larger conversations about how do we best teach Mm -hmm. online in terms of pedagogy and pedagogical content need to happen with instructional designer and we have just one one person like that and that's our uh, director of online education of the office of online education and so she needs help and that's that's why we are doing this to support her as well as our faculty I'm sure that there are so many different situations you have to deal with as well with faculty and students that is also just completely new to the institution because there's never been a situation like this. Yes, um, so we understood very quickly that we really need to be creative in how we are offering that help. Um, we have created, um, uh, we, we have a portal for faculty and students. So we have created separate pages for faculty and students where um, it's kind of a one-stop shop where they can go and read um, about the um, current status and sort of up to the minute information on what the university is doing, what the state is doing. Um, there, uh, on the faculty side of things, there, uh, there are lots of references to readings and podcasts and professional development recordings that they could um, that they could go to. But in the first two weeks of this, our Office of Online Education worked around the clock to really support the faculty in moving the instruction online and just give the bare bones structure basically mm -hmm. to everybody. Um, I also want to mention that our, we have a a lot of faculty who are quite familiar with um, with teaching online because they've been doing that. Um, and many of them are adjunct faculty. And I have to give an acknowledgement to, to those faculty who felt that they were comfortable enough to reach out to their colleagues and to offer um, sessions for the first two weeks um, right alongside with the with um, online education staff those faculty were offering sessions were working one-on-one -on -one, uh, with uh, with faculty were um, you know giving best practices and sharing their knowledge and expertise now that we semi-settled in the routine I have nine or so faculty members who are holding peer office hours and they're available a couple hours a week uh, where faculty who need help and support could reach out to them during set hours and have those conversations much like when students need support they reach out to faculty um, the faculty could reach out to their peers and learn from them and I know this uh, this is being utilized by a faculty quite a lot. 
So this, this is one of the ways we support it. On the student side, we had to move our operations of the Student Success Center, um, of the uh, library, mm -hmm. of Wellness Center, entirely online. And again, some creative ideas were born. So for example, mm -hmm. I know that we are offering virtual yoga sessions where oh. students can log in and the instructor is right there and they're working together. There are um, uh, sessions on mindfulness and meditation that are all virtual. Um, our Office of Student Life is trying to keep the campus spirit alive by um, offering lots of different workshops and get-togethers and social hours just to help students um, sort of maintain that feeling of community. And that's important not just students, but for everybody, but students especially, right? Um, we have also created an early alert system for uh, where faculty can reach out to us and tell us whether any students are experiencing any issues in the classrooms. Mm. In a virtual in virtual environment, um, they can um, let us know, and then we have developed a support system where our administrative assistants are reaching out to students and asking them um, whether you know what what the nature of the issue is. And some students report that they or their loved ones are sick with COVID. Some are saying, you know, I have issues with technology. Some are saying, um, you know, I, I'm an overcrowded home and they can only do work late at night when everybody is asleep. So can the professor be flexible and so on. So we are then relaying this information to the appropriate people on campus to make sure that our students are being helped. So we're trying to create that loop where the professor is telling us what the need is, we're reaching out to the student, and then we get either back to the professor or we talk to wellness center or we um, do some other outreach that needs to be done in order to maintain that. And I have learned just today that um, some of the admins are telling me that it is so important that students are thrilled that we're getting, that we're reaching out to them. Mm. that students are in need of that right now and many request follow-up calls just to make sure that we're checking on them. Um, our admins are also telling us that parents then pick up the, the call and start talking to them because they feel that they need, uh, the, they feel the need for that connection. Right. Um, and uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it, when I read this email this morning, it really brought tears to my eyes because I thought that what we're doing is really, really important for the community at large because Coldwell maintains the presence and that's important for everybody. So to keep students engaged and to keep your, your faculty engaged, have you had to deploy any new technologies? Uh, I wouldn't call them new to the world. But they're definitely new to Caldwell. Um, we are a Google school, so we, um, you know, the default was to go to the Google Hangout meets. Um, so faculty had to get trained on this. Mm -hmm. um, Google Chat is important feature, and um, our IT has been working around the clock to make sure that faculty are equipped with these tools. But um, 
admins are making phone calls, um, you know, wellness centers reaching out to people. So tools like MyCollab needed to be installed. Mm -hmm. We still need to get access to our office computers. So VPN connections needed to be established. Um, uh, our IT is researching tools like um, whiteboarding and, um, you know, virtual communication so they we're constantly adding um to the toolkit that the faculty and staff can use um, and none of this would have been possible without really dedication of our it department who is really literally working around the clock making sure that everything is workable connections are there and that faculty and students can remain in touch one of the new things that we're trying is virtual owners convocation and for this we're using zoom mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out how all of this will work so this is a brand new area for all of us and uh, i'm really excited about this because this maybe does pave the way for a new normal that we may all experience for a while well and there are so many moving parts how have you seen decisions being made? I know earlier you mentioned that faculty are really involved. Who is in charge? How are you establishing how decisions are being made moving forward? Because you, know, you talked about this idea of shared governance and in higher ed, shared governance usually means a lot of deliberation and taking a long time. On Coldwell campus, we have a pandemic response team, and that is the team of administrators and staff who get together regularly to discuss the important decisions and to understand where we need to go forward. Mm -hmm. Those decisions are sort of very high level decisions that get uh, a lot of them are financial in nature and, uh, um, you know, dealing with um, government and understanding the government. Um, direction, um, uh, things like that. On an academic affairs level, our vice president for academic affairs has established a couple of groups. Uh, one group, she calls them SEALs, is um, you know um, the group of her immediate uh, immediate reports that includes the registrar. Um, I sit on that group. Academic support center. Um, is represented and also institutional research because in all of this craziness we rely on the data we already have and um, try to understand uh, what data we need in order to make informed decisions. She also has um, a group of senior leaders, chairs and, um, and uh, associate deans that Rise a different group of people who she regularly consults with on issues of uh, pertaining to faculty and academics. And then um, normal channels of communication, ac um, academic leadership meetings, curriculum committee, faculty council, all of them are involved uh, um, on one level or another to make decisions that, that deal with academics. What would you say would be the top lessons that you've learned that, that may benefit our listeners about student and faculty support through this process? Well, I think this crisis more than ever underscores the need not to work in silos and to keep the lines of communication open among many different constituencies. Um, different 
and difficult decisions are being made and that requires difficult and different conversations among many, just so that the morale is there and really the understanding of what it means for the institution, for the students and for the community at large is there. Some of those decisions might not seem kind to some, but those decisions are necessary in order to keep the institution going, mm -hmm. right? Um, we, you know, the decision has been made to close campus to, to um, you know, to maintain the healthy environment, but not everybody's gone. We have a lot of international students who are still residing on campus. So thinking about how can we support those students? How can we feed those students? How can we make sure that those students are healthy while also keeping the campus intact is mm -hmm. important. Um, so when we come back in whichever way, shape or form it will be, there will be more difficult decisions and keeping the lines of communication open to me is the most important thing we can do to remain successful leaders. Alina, thanks for joining me today and for sharing your experience at Caldwell. Thank you, it's been a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity. This concludes our Top of Mind podcast. Please stay safe during these challenging times. Check back with us next month for another new topic. And don't forget to check out Tambellini's other resources on our blog and YouTube channel.